This is Gulf Coast Life Arts Edition from WGCU. I'm John Davis. Thanks for joining us. This evening will mark Theater Conspiracy's opening night premiere performance of the last show at the Alliance for the Arts in Fort Myers. The one-man show, written and performed by actor, playwright, and screenwriter Derek Lively, takes place against the somewhat dystopian-sounding backdrop of a city where all forms of art and public social gatherings, for that matter, are forbidden. It's a kind of play within a play as audiences watch a performance artist risk arrest to perform for the last and first time in front of his dying mother. This production does contain some adult content and language, so audience discretion is advised. Performances run through February 26th. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday performances all start at 7.30 p.m. The final Sunday matinee performance at 2 p.m. will feature a special post-show talkback session with Derek Lively himself. And Derek joins us today for a closer look at the show. Derek Lively has become a familiar face for Southwest Florida theater goers since he relocated to the area in 2015 from New York, where he enjoyed a 20-something-plus career in uh, theater, performing in more than 40 regional and off-Broadway productions, before stepping back from acting to focus on playwriting and screenwriting. His past theater writing projects have won awards and accolades at the Around the Block short play reading series, the American Globe Theater's 15-minute play festival, and the Hollywood Black Film Festival Story Teller competition. He was also invited to participate in the HBO Writers Lab, sponsored by the American Black Film Festival. In addition to acting, Lively has studied writing at New York's esteemed Playwriters Horizon, which is affiliated with NYU's Tisch School of the Arts. Locally, Lively has acted in theater conspiracy productions of King Hedley II and the Colored Museum. He played Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in The Mountaintop, Frederick Douglass in The Agitators, Walter Lee Young in Lorraine Hasbury's A Raisin in the Sun, and Canewell in Seven Guitars from August Wilson's Century Series. Also through the Alliance for the Arts, Derek is an instructor with the nonprofit's Change Program. That's communities harnessing the arts to nurture and grow equity. His solo show, Welcome to My Soul, which she also wrote and performed, led to a first-look development deal with NBC Universal. Derek Lively, welcome back to Golf with Life Arts Edition. Thanks for having me back. And we're also joined in studio by Theater Conspiracy's founding artistic director, Bill Taylor. He's led the company for more than a quarter century now. Bill Taylor, welcome back. Always great to connect with you. Great to be here. Thank you. And to engage with us and your fellow listeners about this conversation or any of our shows, find us on Facebook. We're at WGCU Public Media. On Twitter, we're at WGCU. Use the hashtag GCL. So to start off, Derek, you know, without giving away anything that would sully or spoil the audience experience, can you tell us a little more concerning what the last show is all about? Wow, uh, that's hard <laughs> without giving it away. <laughs> Bill, Bill is laughing right now. Um, but in a nutshell, it, it takes place, I would say, in real time. And it is it is this dystopian type uh, future. And um, it's pretty much this artist is risking arrest performing this show because all forms of public gatherings expression has been banned by certain entities. And let's put it like that. So um, it's it's the type of situation where everybody in the audience is also breaking the law, and and so it's kind of a very heightened environment and a very heightened moment for him because uh, it is his last show, and uh, there's again I can't give away more than that. Sure, but um, let's just say that it's the stakes are very high for him for this particular night. 
Well, audience members learn through the show some broader context about the world your character occupies and what sort of events may have led up to him being in this place where public gatherings. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So we basically definitely set the stage for the current environment, what is actually happening and what is going to happen that night. So there is a major event that is going to happen that night during the show in real time. Okay. And I should note, I haven't read the script. I haven't seen it. So I'm coming into this a little (laughs) blind as well. But just reading about that context, I couldn't help but thinking about how just throughout history, marginalized groups, you know, including black people, there have been times where just gathering together in groups was illegal. Is that part of what you're referencing? No. um, This is really... Even though I am uh, black, it's not a show about my being black or about the black experience per se. It's more so this is basically it's been banned for everyone. Mm -hmm. So it's not really racial at all. It's not racial specific. It's not gender specific. We're all in this together and we are all basically right now criminals breaking the law. So uh, this, this entity is basically against anyone who is against it. It doesn't care your background. It doesn't care where you're from, what your beliefs are. You can be alt-right. You can be far left. It does not care. So it, we're, all, we're all in this together. So. I, I love how you've made the audience part of it. They're complicit. Yes. <laughs> yes. Are we to imagine that the performer's mother is, is among us? Yes. The, okay. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And tell me about how all this came about. Did you commit to, to doing this before you'd actually written or completed writing the play? Bill doesn't notice, but... Uh, I had the idea in my head when we started talking about it. So because you asked me that, I I had the idea in my head. It was kind of germinating in my head. And uh, I I guess because, you know, in fact, I'm getting a little older now. It's kind of where I don't really just sit down and start writing things. It's pretty much I'll have a bunch of ideas. But if I have a reason to write, like, okay, you know, let's do something. Then it's like the ideas really start flowing and they start going. But normally I'm not always like, oh, that's really good. You know, but... Uh, when Bill and I talked, uh, yeah, the idea definitely started flowing. It was already there um, because I was going to do a solo show for The Fringe. And the right. one I did in New York just kind of updated. But then when we started talking, it was like, hmm, this is this is something that could kind of be interesting to me, you know. So, are, are you able to use that notion of, you know, having a set deadline Kind of as a motivator in terms of oh, pressure, because yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't sure. you don't have the luxury for of sure. like, oh, I have writer's block, oh, I'm going to take a for week sure. off for yeah. sure. Yeah, you know, and, and I knew pretty much. Okay, let's just get the idea down, let's get the concept down, let's get everything down, and pretty much, you know, when we start meeting with Bill, we're just going to like, you know, basically butcher it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kill it, <laughs> you know, kill kill the babies, as Stephen King will say. You know, just kind of like just get in there and and destroy what doesn't work and kind of chip, 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 chip away at it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so did you write this in a vacuum in the sense or by that I mean did you come to Bill with a completed project or did you give input throughout the writing process or how? Definitely was not completed at all. It was basically the form of something mm-hmm. and the concept and pretty much the show was written. But then it's kind of like, okay, now let's turn it from – because it's a one-person show and a lot of times what happens with that, especially this type of show, it becomes a lot of narrative. So let's take that narrative and now make it dramatic and actually make it a show. I would say that that would yeah, be Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're yeah. on probably okay. – well, it's 
version 17. Yeah. But there was 16.2, 16.3, 16.4. So we're probably up to version 30 or so. Yeah, exactly. Of the show. And you can do that because you wrote it. Whatever the end result is, is what you decide. Exactly. Exactly. Every day after rehearsal, we had some other note that we would change, alter, uh, whatever. So, so, Bill, how does that impact your approach to directing? Because this is kind of a somewhat unique situation. It, it's been a different experience completely because you, you don't want to commit too much with what you're doing because things are going to get changed and rearranged. Uh, I mean, we took a whole section of the show and moved it forward and, uh, you know, and took another section and moved it back and cut a bunch of stuff. So yeah. it was kind of every night was, you know, on your toes. What could you do to to make it work, you know, as, as we change the script and, and evolved. And, and Bill Theater Conspiracy has a well-earned reputation for presenting, you know, not just contemporary works, but, but you know, premieres of brand new pieces. Well, and this, this all stemmed from our new play contest. Which got a little we, too big for its britches. We yeah. had done it for over <laughs> 20 years. I think we were up to about 25 years, but we were getting seven, 800, 900 scripts a year entered into the contest and it, it's, it's just wonderful be, but it was much. great yeah. but it just became way too big we couldn't management manage it so instead of keeping the contest going the thought was keep producing new work but just select an artist to work with to develop a piece and the first one we picked was Dave it was Derek well, and yeah. and I understand that you know perhaps similar to last year's production of Clown Bar the theater space itself is going to be a bit unconventional absolutely absolutely been rearranged and it'll be a different experience when people come can you say any more about that without giving anything away? Is Derek going to be among us in the – like, I mean, I get the impression he's not just going to be up on the stage and it, we're going to be in the chairs looking up at it, him. It's kind of set up in a three-quarter thrust. Okay. Uh, the, the stage is set up where the audience seating normally would be, and there's some audience seating that's actually up on the stage now to watch the show. Oh. Um, so he, the audience is – He's immersed in the audience, yeah. but it's not like we're pulling people up on right. stage or things like that and they become involved in it. It's just the – I think the show works a lot better when you have that close interaction. Yeah. Gotcha. If you're just joining the show, we're speaking with actor, playwright, and screenwriter Derek Lively. He's starring in the premiere production of the one-man show that he's also written titled The Last Show through Theater Conspiracy at the Alliance for the Arts in Fort Myers. This evening marks opening night. And we're also speaking with the director and Theater Conspiracy founding artistic director, Bill Taylor. If you would like to comment on our conversation or engage with fellow listeners, find us on Facebook. We're at WGCU Public Media. On Twitter, we're at WGCU using the hashtag GCL. Derek, this is hardly your first experience with a one-man show. Um, I'm curious as to what you see as the advantages and conversely the challenges to being the sole actor compared to being a member of a cast. I, I think this time, as opposed to the other shows, um, the, in basically also in New York, you know, developing material, it was more so trying to put together a showcase to say, hey, folks, look what I can do. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of thing. I can do this and I can do that. And whereas now that's not really definitely a concern of mine at this point. It was more so creating a show, creating a production, creating an experience, creating something that um, that people will take away with them, will talk about. And the challenges as an actor is, um, I didn't realize this as writing it, but I wrote myself a beast of a, <laughs> mm, <yeah. laughs> a beast of a role. So I think really um, it's more so where 
it's it's challenging in the sense that you're taking this journey and this whole arc for 60 to 75 minutes and you're going through so many different roller coaster ride levels of emotions and heights and lows and that sort of thing so there becomes a certain point where as the writer you have to say okay that's done and now the work as the actor has to begin but as opposed to getting a script from someone and looking at okay I have to do this I have to do that I'm already immersed in it so I've already connected to it so that part of the work has already been done yeah um, I think that so that makes this a little different than um, doing another regular play, as well as if you're doing a show where you're doing different characters and there's more comedy and some dramatic moments, that sort of thing. There's a certain level of pacing that's a little different. You have a chance more to breathe, that sort of thing, as opposed to something in real time where it's like it's almost like you get in a car and you're going like boom and you're just like that yeah. sort of thing like that. And you don't stop until you're done. So it's it, it requires, um, I would say, definitely re- requires a different mindset than than something other shows that sort of thing. You had referenced, you know, getting a chance to breathe. Is there any inter- intermission in this, or no. is this a real test of the stamina here? Yeah, it's a test of the stamina. Um, you know, the other solo show I did, it was kind of, you know. Some of the stuff was bouncing all over the place and others were sitting, but I also wrote a piece where I could just stand and speak and that gave me a chance to breathe. There's no breathing here. At least I don't think so. There's no breathing mm. here. No, it's like once we go, we're gone. Yeah. And so uh, so from that aspect, it's kind of like that's really exciting and exhilarating um, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun from that standpoint. And, and again, I apologize because this might be one of those questions that's difficult to answer without giving away something important. Yeah. But, you know, we've all heard the notion of writers, you know, writing what they know, taking right. from their own experiences. Right. And I'm curious about if there's some dynamic of your own parental relationships that's been put into this. Uh, yes. I, I think that, you know, it's funny. Uh, I'll be very interested in the, the talk back that we do at the last show because I'm, I'm curious as to when people see it, what they think is true and what's not true. And more than likely, the stuff that they think could be true is definitely not. Okay. <laughs> um, or is like, oh, I wonder if he went through that. Uh, more likely not, really. But uh, there is some dynamic. I think as artists, we always use certain things in our own experiences. You use yourself. Yourself is your best palette. So um, there definitely is that dynamic that is taken from my life for sure. Is there something you tend to do, whether it's this show or, or any other performance, to get yourself into the appropriate headspace before you go out there and perform? Yeah, I mean, um, Daniel Day-Lewis is one of my favorite actors. So I'm kind of like the Daniel Day-Lewis school of acting, where I really believe that if you're going to do it, immerse yourself in it. Um, so playing Martin Luther King, I went to Memphis. You know, really? Yeah. I, I researched the guy for like about a year, and same with Frederick Douglass for about a year. Um, I really believe in immersing myself. So basically, whenever before I go on stage, I get into the right headspace with music, certain things that I know that's appropriate and applicable, and get to where I need to be. Um, so I definitely believe in immersing myself because the more real that I am and the more immersed I am, then the more of an experience that the audience is going to have where they're like engaged and brought in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's basically the way that I like to approach it. Is there any point in the production where you're not that the audience is necessarily expected to engage back, but mm-hmm. where you are 
speaking directly to individual members in the audience since, oh, yeah. since they're part of the show. Oh, yeah. In a way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. For uh, sure. Would you say it's interactive? I think it could be for sure, yeah. In a way, interactive but not interactive. It's yeah. going to be interesting to yeah. see how the audience reacts to this yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. It, it really will. So. I think so. Uh, just, be, just because how much he does actually yeah. talk to them, uh, some of the topics that come up, because it's timely. Yeah. Uh, the show is is very timely. Um, so, yeah, th- I think there could be times when someone yeah. in the audience may be vocal. Yeah. Okay. Or yeah. audible yeah. about a response to something yeah. that he's doing or saying. And you never know, as an actor, it can be different. I remember we did the Color Museum, and the character I played was this very flamboyant person, and... Um, in a nightclub, and depending on the audience, some nights I was just going with it with them in the audience, you know. Uh-huh. And other nights it was kind of like not so much. So we'll we'll see how it goes. That that's something. But I think that becomes part of the uh, improv in the sense of the um, heart of it, but not necessarily going off script. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, understood. Yeah, um, and this is kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent, mm-hmm. but I understand. You have a Bachelor of Science degree in Business Management and Economics, mm-hmm. a concentration in Business Administration. Mm-hmm. And, and you've written this book called Get That Degree that really kind of mm-hmm. is serving as a blueprint for people who are maybe advanced beyond what we consider like the typical college-age student on mm-hmm. how to go ahead, get your degree, continue mm-hmm. your life, and also don't end up with six figures in debt. Absolutely. Tell me about that. That's That doesn't seem like the conventional path for an accomplished actor, playwright, and, and screenwriter. No. Um, you know, it's it's funny. I have two lives. So um, I, I'm also a senior um, senior officer for Herc Rentals. So oh. I, I have a business background. So I'm a certified corporate governance professional. So corporate governance is pretty much how I make my living. Oh, wow. So you wear a lot of hats. Yeah. 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 So... Um, for a publicly traded corporation. So as you can imagine, there's a lot of regulations and things that are put in place that we need to adhere to. Uh, But yeah, it it was pretty much so I was able to, I was blessed enough to get my degree. I did it in like two and a half years for about 16 grand. And um, it was was really, because at the time I was thinking about going to law school. But it was pretty much like, I I believe in going like, go, go big or go home. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was like floor to the gas, boom, go. And so um, I basically did a lot of research and hook by hook or by crook, every every single means that I could use to accelerate it, I did. And whether it be tuition reimbursement through my job, things called CLEP exams, which are really great for people who um, even, even any college age student could do it. If your school will allow you to, you can kind of basically take required courses through that. They're, they're tests and they're not easy. They're not easy. They're very hard. But if you pass those, you can pretty much maybe get like some credits there, as well as if certain most most universities and colleges now will also take uh, life experience credits. And needless to say, you know, I had had a lot to where you could say in certain areas I had expert level knowledge. Yeah. So it was pretty much like and it was not not easy. I had to really prove that expert level knowledge as well as being able to go through, have certain interviews or write certain papers and dissertations. It was not easy, but um, expert level knowledge is expert level knowledge. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. And you you talk about this a bit in the book, too. Um, you didn't have such an easy path, you yeah. know, moving from Virginia to New York, completely different school experience. Yeah. And, it, and scholastically, that, that transition kind of tanked you for a while. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
it's it's a really it was really weird because we're talking. Um, gee, I'm going to date myself, but whatever. Uh, we're talking the mid. We're talking the '80s, and so I, I went last from, century. You mean last century? Yeah, the last, <laughs> last century. century. Last century. Is that what you're talking the about? Last century. Okay. So you know, you go from living in a place where. I'm going to use music as a great example where everybody's listening to Prince and stuff like that. And you're like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. we are, we are a little red Corvette that moved to New York. And it was such a culture change. It was like I was in another country. Mm-hmm. Everything was hip hop. I literally had one day a student. He was this great guy. His name was, I think, um, Villanueva, Eddie Villanueva, really great guy. And he took me in the library one day and he said, OK, so this is what this word means. This is what that means. This is what you do here. This is what you don't do, so on and so forth. And it was like I was a, I was someone, even though I was American, going from one city to another, I was in a foreign land. Mm. And then, you know, the, the racial dynamic on top of that from certain things and having to act a certain way or be a certain way, it was a different world than it is right now. It was a much, I think, nobody ever has it easy, but I think that... Um, it is definitely much, much better to be of color now and not have to fit into a certain stereotype. Mm. Whereas back then, you would darn well better fit into it, else you had some issues. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But code switching seemed like absolutely necessary for survival. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, do you see any connection between those experiences? What prompted you to write that book and you know, sort of like this double life that you uh, have. Yeah, I wanted to write the book because I, I had knowledge and I wanted to help others. You know, I, I had the knowledge. So it's like you have knowledge, you, you want to share it. So and that's that's pretty much why I did that. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, do you have any, any final thoughts to share with us about the last play or, or anything you would want to say to potential audience members before we come out? Well, it is incredibly timely, and it's my it's my hope and my wish that it's an experience that you have never seen before and it's something that you have not seen before and will take away with you where it's like wow i've never ever seen something that before and that you're talking about on the way home that you're thinking about it and that um it will have deep resonance well beyond the 60 to 75 minutes that you saw it in the theater all right. Well, that um, is a great teaser. I can't wait to come out and see the show. And that is about all the time we have, though. I want to thank my guests. We've been speaking with actor, playwright, and screenwriter Derek Lively. He stars in the premiere production of the one-man play at the last show that he also wrote. This production is being brought by Theater Conspiracy at the Alliance for the Arts. Derek Lively, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. Thank you. And we've also been speaking with Theater Conspiracy founding artistic director and director of this production, Bill Taylor. Bill, again, always great to speak with you. Great to be here. Thank you. Performances of the last show begin tonight and run through February 26th. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday performances begin at 7.30 p.m. with a Sunday matinee on the 26th at 2 p.m. That final performance will also be followed by a talkback session with Derek Lively himself. For more information or to secure your tickets, visit artinlee.org or call the box office 239-939-2787. If you missed any of today's show, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website, wgcu.org gcl, or subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Our show today was produced by Jared Gonzalez and yours truly. Our director is Richard Chinqui. Our social media coordinator is Tara Calligan. For now, thanks for listening. I'm John Davis. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO, Marco Island 91.7 FM, NPR for Southwest Florida. Mm-hmm.